You are listening to the Heart of the Matter podcast with me, Naomi Sturdy. This podcast is aiming to have discussions and conversations on yoga, society shifts and changes, mental health, physical health, creativity, careers, and life. This Irish podcast aims to dig deeper and get to the heart of the matter on who we are and why we are doing what we are doing. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 6. This is officially the last episode in this first series, Heart of the Matter podcast. Um, So before I jump into describing uh, this week's episode, um, I am actually recording this a day or two earlier than I'm going to release because... I'm starting the teacher training, the art of teaching spring 2019 tomorrow and I kind of um, realized I'm not going to have enough time to focus on this and um, record it so I'm doing it now. (laughs) So the last uh, week or a few days for me have been major self-care time because you know, each year that I've gone into the teacher training, it's um, it's a a situation where it demands a high level of focus and concentration and intensity in a sense of being very involved in the process. And every year it's sort of a time where I can't really do much else in terms of uh, creative output. I'm kind of jumping to the teacher training. So, so yeah, I make sure the days leading up that I kind of just step back a little, slow down a little in my pace and kind of have a feeling of just nourishing and doing what I need to do so that I can, um, yeah, be on the teacher training in full force and, um, get into that so I am recording this now this is part of my self-care so I don't have to worry about it in a couple of days and I kind of um, feel like that ties in a little bit with what I chat with uh, Lou because we talk um, a lot about women's health and women's sort of uh, specific needs in yoga and in life in general and Lou is a really really experienced teacher in this area and it was really fascinating to hear her perspectives and um, experiences in working with women so so yeah part of what we chat about is how you know at a certain point if we keep pushing ourselves or keep with a fast paced life or exercise or kind of go, go, go with everything. At a certain point, um, you know, cracks start to appear and we kind of leave ourselves um, a little open to, you know, maybe repercussions of that kind of patterning. So, so yeah, self-care is mega important for women and men and kind of tuning in to to our natural 
cycles and our needs and what we should sort of do to be kind and, and care for ourselves. So, so yeah, that's one aspect of what I chat with Lou. And then um, as this is the last episode in this first series, I, as always, would absolutely love to hear your thoughts. So if you um, want to press pause right now and maybe before listening to the chat with Lou, you could send me a message or pop me an email and um, I got some lovely emails um, this week which was really great to hear what people think so thank you to those people who got in touch and then you can always rate and review on iTunes and um, in terms of anything else I will catch you on the other side and enjoy this chat with Lou Horgan. Okay. Good morning. Oh well, I guess it's afternoon, Lou. Good morning, afternoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you for inviting me into your lovely home. Oh, thank you. Um, and I guess to start, like, um, I know that you're a yoga teacher, mm-hmm. but maybe if you briefly describe what kind of teaching you're involved in at the moment. Okay. Um, well, I suppose I'm teaching my practice you know it's so personal and yet it's not personal at all because you then find that we all have the same struggles so I teach I teach everybody I mean I don't like to come out of the gate say I teach only women but it struck me very early (laughs) on in my early in my yoga career that there were more women in the room with men there was always a sprinkling of gentlemen (laughs) and that's where well I'm a woman um the nature of the practice is to you know go really deeply into your own body go into your own experience go into all of the rhythms and shifts and processes that go on over life and in the 20 or so years that I've been practicing yoga I have moved through so many different arcs of transformation just by virtue of my gender this is not yoga stuff this is just like being a woman yeah yeah and so that's really where the where I've gone I've just followed that and in following that I have explored I suppose what I would always consider areas of yoga that are really underdeveloped um under written and my my voice has really been to to fill the gap yeah whether that Um, be through you know just regular regular practices you know what i call a regular yoga class where there's no specific general need other than overworked and underappreciated which is the vast majority of the population or then you know whether it be a pregnancy class whether it be a specific woman's class where i'd be dealing more about the cyclical nature of a woman's woman's body or if it would be something that would be more um, related to, you know, maturing bodies, perimenopausal, 
moving into a completely different state. Yeah. yeah. And when you say like underwritten or mm. underexplored, do you mean like in general in the trajectory of yoga since the dawn of time? Yeah. You know, you're looking at areas that haven't been explored. Well, yoga since the dawn of time, I think instinctually I would very much feel that women were a huge part of it. Yeah. As much as women would have been a huge part of the the moral and spiritual code of the community. Um, in one or two tantric texts, you will hear reference to <clears throat> the holiest place being the red tent where the women went to bleed once a month, where the <clears throat> natural phenomenon of an altered state was occurring in community. And that was the holiest place a man could enter into and it was almost the touchstone of the community to um, use that space of natural altered state of consciousness um, to review, to question what may have arisen for the tribe or the person or the community. But then if you look at the teachings that are coming out of India and I would have had a very very classical training you know I would have been initiated into you know ashram style yoga is that um, where you went first to train pretty and it wasn't training it was just uh I wanted to go to India because I was yeah. really into yoga yeah you know so that's where I went and I was reading books uh, by um it was a Shivananda ashram, but it's very, very little one up in the Himalaya. Um, so it was quite, it wasn't as strict and regimented as some of the other ones, but it was still very strict and regimented, you know. Um, and it was amazing. And it was a fantastic cornerstone to practice with. And then the trajectory of teachers that I worked with or worked under would have come from very classical traditional lineages. And that worked for a really long time for me um, until I, my body changed, until I became pregnant. That was the first big uh, phenomena in my body. I'm like, oh, this is amazing because I'm in a really body affirmative practice and body centered practice. Yet there was nothing available to me. And the only kind of headline I'd ever been given in the, you know, I suppose I was about, where would I have been? About eight years practicing yoga. The only modification I'd been given in as a woman in a yoga class was don't do inversions when you have your period. That was rule one and only. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, I won't. But lots of women didn't pay attention to that. And lots of women stopped menstruating. And they saw it as a kind of a boon because they could practice continually and all of the practices that were very much on trend at the time were, you know, Ashtanga Vinyasa and strong, regular, uh, early morning, vigorous. Um, kind of athletic, really. Yes. Strict. Yeah. That was the kind of the feeling. Okay, it was yeah. strict. It was control. It was not translating massively well into any other area of your life other than that's the practice. And if yeah. you're a yogi, that's what you do. Yeah. So 
<clears throat> I had a moment when I uh, was in a, a big training over in the UK with my teacher at the time and I had had two babies and I had just left my youngest to go to the training and I was still feeding her and I got one maybe of maybe two or three of my first periods after birth. And we were talking about Swara Yoga and Swara Yoga's cycle of the cycles of life. You know, when we spent, I'm exaggerating, but it felt like three days on the right nostril and three <laughs> days on the left nostril. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you still talking about the right nostril? <laughs> and the foot that lands to the floor in the morning to express the dominant nostril and the foot that walks out the door in the morning to express the dominant nostril and how you harness the energy of the dominant nostril and on and on and on and on we went into cycles and cycles and I sat there and I went when's he going to mention the menstrual cycle and literally there was 100 people in the room and 98 of them were women maybe 96 it was lit of a sprinkling of men so I stood up and I said, uh, what about the menstrual cycle? And I said, I am definitely more intuitive before I bleed. I am definitely more sensitive. I am definitely more attuned to something. And I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's there. And I watched as I spoke, all these heads nodding in the room. All these women going, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, I'm definitely more energized at different times of the cycle. And this is just my own observation. And my teacher at the time, who came from a lineage of 4,000-year-old lineage, they could trace the lineage for 4,000 years, exclusively, as far as they were concerned, men-only lineage. This kind of patriarchal, you couldn't get more old-school patriarchy if you went out to Royal Dublin Golf Course and tried to find an older boys' club. And he looked at me and went, well... I can't really speak to that um, other than to say classically, you know, you ovulate on the full moon and you bleed on the back moon if, you know, if you're really living in, in, in harmony with nature. And I, and I kind of, I was like, okay. I said, but if you're telling me the root chakra in women is the cervix, what happens when that opens to 10 centimeters? What happens when the root, when the gate opens in her psyche? I can't speak to that. I was like, okay. <clears throat> so I sat down and I was devastated. And a woman turned to me and she went, are you satisfied with those answers? And I said, no. And she went, I'm not either. And then at the break, I talked to another woman who was so devastated by it that we ended up bawling, crying, the two of, the two of us. And I left that teacher and I was really angry. And then it dawned on me that nowhere in the classical teachings are women's natural altered states just by virtue of sitting in the room addressed. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like there's no, yeah. there's no conversation. And we've been so talked out of our natural rhythms that m most women don't even know they're there. Yeah. And if you break it down to its actual, you know, uh, biology, 
when a woman becomes pregnant, she no longer menstruates because that menstrual blood is making a human being. So we're all made out of menstrual blood. We're all made out of blood. So to say that the highest of the highest of the highest of the highest teacher who's made out of menstrual blood <laughs> on yeah. some level yeah, yeah, couldn't yeah. tell me anything about that was on one hand devastating and on the other hand just like so unbelievably illuminating yeah and it sent me on a whole other path a whole other journey that started I suppose Alana was probably about one and a half or so when that happened and that's so that's that's really where I've been for the past eight years I had always been teaching pregnancy yoga I had always been teaching women I just didn't understand the seriousness of it yeah in a way do you think that there was women featured or um included before it got eliminated I think so yeah I think those ancient um you see I think also women's women's tradition is oral we speak we talk we're not scribes we tend not to write it down as much we I believe, would have passed it from grandmother to mother, mother to daughter, you know, sister to aunt. You know, that's just the way of the feminine. It's more expressive. It's more embodied and communicative. Um, And I think somewhere along the way, that was considered less than. Yeah. And men began to write it down. And because it was written... It took on more weight and yeah. more, uh, yeah, substance as far as considered as more true, just or more factual, true, yeah. just more kind of righteous. I mean, it was happening clearly all over the world in all of the traditions. They were flipping from, you know, more matriarchal, even though we can't prove that. It seems to be that way if you look down just through the the um the, the architectures history, yeah. and the carvings um and the artwork that's left behind and then that really intangible thing of just kind of knowing it yeah sometimes i think it's a little bit like chinese whispers as well mm. like when i was in india the place where i um, spent a long time it was kind of like a family ashram and the lady there so there was a couple who had started um, the ashram and the facility for people to learn and then their son had kind of taken the helm when I went there but that grandmother like Mm. she was the wise woman that everyone spoke about and kind of Mm. you know when we had lectures with her it was all about the darshans and Mm. you know kind of listening to her kind of wisdom Mm. almost Mm. and then the son's wife she was actually an Australian lady, but she taught us like a lot about, you know, female bodies and female bodies in yoga and kind of more to like a modern time, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think when I was there, I got the impression it was very much honored and respected and revered. But then I kind of think maybe that was happening in India in different little pockets. But then the way it like gets across the water to us or to the Mm. west it's like 
people only hear maybe the one loud voice of the man or like you said the bits written down mm. and it seems then oh no this is a male practice and we only take these bits of information whereas those ladies might have been pocketed around kind of, of course speaking the wisdom of course or, they yeah were. yeah of course yeah. they were um i just as most westerners we got the 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 story was told by the the, the guys that left india to come to the west yes to share yeah. the whole practices of yoga brilliant men I'm not just taking away from what they translated, but I suppose where I've come to with all of this is that our our spiritual code is different. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a different it's a different code. It's a different um, it's a different practice. We have vastly different bodies. We hold in our cells the essence of creation. We can create life. Mm-hmm. And I really feel as soon as I t- speak to that in women uh, who maybe haven't done a huge amount of yoga or maybe they've come into yoga for the first time in pregnancy and maybe they come back later when they kind of worn out and they've been trying very hard to kind of keep their lives together. Um, or maybe they're regular students who've been with me for the past you know, 15 years I don't feel I have to scratch the surface an awful lot for people to feel the truth of that, to feel that there is something vastly underappreciated and undervalued um, and... And kind of belittled almost as well. Well, belittled... Well, it has Mm. been. I suppose it has been Mm. culturally, um, culturally for such a long time. And... For that to be seen, that place that isn't valued, for that to be seen by a teacher or to be encouraged for them to see in themselves, uh, can be a real game changer in a woman. Yeah. Those circles have been broken. Those uh, lineages uh, don't ex- exist anymore. It's, you know, our mothers can share with us to a degree, but... You look like down the history lines and women's spirits have been broken. And that's heartbreaking. But I feel in reality, in practice, when I'm, when I'm teaching women, it doesn't take a huge amount for that spirit to awaken. Yeah. You know? I was at that thing I had been saying to you before we started recording um the full moon ceremony a couple of nights ago with Kathy and she had mentioned one thing that men's practice is about emptying mm. and women's practice is about filling mm. and I just find that very interesting yeah. that it's kind of like what you're saying that maybe our spirits are broken a little or a little mm. you know worn almost mm. but that maybe the practice is about restoring that and reigniting that flame. Sure. Yeah. Um, what I, what certainly uh, women who, who care... Well, listen, we carry. We carry. We, we are the carriers, you know. All you have to do is look at the actual structure of our pelvis, the, the, the contents of our pelvis. You know, the womb is where we hold. But we have the ability to shed. So we hold and we shed and we hold and we shed and we hold and we shed. So in built into this capacity to hold... Is it a capacity to let go? And the ability to let go 
is to deeply self-nurture. We have a window inbuilt into our bodies to rest and restore, but we also have a capacity to carry. And what eventually begins to happen in modern worlds is we carry the emotional needs of other people. We carry the needs of our families. We carry the needs of our children. We carry the needs of our friends. We carry the needs of our students. And we, because we've no value on the shedding, on the letting go, we become phenomenally overburdened. And then all sorts of stuff can fall apart. You look at any linchpin in a di family dynamic, usually it's the mother. Usually it's the woman. Whether it's the office, whether it's the household, whether it's the wherever, there's a woman there carrying you know, and I mean, if we lived in, you know, a more tribal situation, we'd literally carry the water on our head, you know. That's why our, our uh, that's how our bodies are designed. Um, but there's an absolute need to unburden. And that's built in. I mean, that's the brilliance of the design. But that's the bit that isn't being done so effectively. Yeah, Because there's no value to it. It's kind of like, um, I often think, I know we're not computers, but <laughs> like if you don't update your software or like do a refresh, mm. the whole thing just overloads or yeah. it starts running slow or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, that we have this ancient capacity to carry, like you're saying, but we also need to honor not to keep carrying. Yeah. That's turned in our modern lives to like you say, like the burden of someone's troubles or... Or just the know. burden of, 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 you know, I mean, all that's been propagated for women is to lean in, mm. carry more, carry the four kids and the position as the CEO and carry the partner and carry everybody that you carry in work. So carry the financial load as well. So all of this carrying is breaking women. And I feel that I'm on the front line of how broken women are. Mm. Um, what do you see like when people come to your classes or through your doors what do you feel like it manifests as uh, anxiety mm. depression uh, grief resentment anger all the big ones yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know it depends on the day uh, big big difficulties with their cycle you know what I mean? As in, I am, you know, they'll say, it's, you know, I'm a mad woman. For, I'm really am. I can't live with who I turned into for those four or five days before I bleed or that week before I bleed. It's becoming really untenable at home. I can't handle it. I'm getting really, really um, uh, angry at everybody, irritated by everybody. But that's just a reflection of how more you need to step away from everyone who's irritating you. Mm. You're supposed to feel irritated by them. That's the cue. Get out. Yeah, walk away. Yeah. Don't have to leave home for five days every month, but you need to start making gestures towards yourself. And the vast majority of women who come to me for the first time, and this is why I suppose I've such a huge pool of women over the years, because there's been so many people through pregnancy yoga classes with me. And that's constantly turning over, constantly, constantly, obviously, by virtue of it, you graduate after nine months, <laughs> you know, and then you're gone and you're gone, someone else comes in. And the pregnancy thing is really interesting because 
over the arc of time that I've been doing it, I've seen nothing but women get busier, women's lives get busier, and the attainment of this like perfectness and it's like this cross that we're crucifying ourselves on you know I have to you know have to go to my pregnancy yoga and have to you know what I mean and I have to do this and I have to be fine and I have to also grow a baby and I also you know and it's mm. the undervalue it all comes down to underappreciated and undervalued that that's really undervalued and the I feel like yeah it's like as well with the narrative of women's empowerment which is great the dark side of it is a little do more do more things well, it's do more and it's become such a long long time since we've had a voice that we have believed we believe the propaganda that anything that's instinctually inherently feminine is weak so to need to lie down to need to rest to need not that they're inherently feminine everybody needs to do that but to self-nurture to be emotional to be um uh instinctual in, uh, intuitive all of those things we kind of poo-poo in ourselves as as weaknesses oh i'm so emotional Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of times I, I always check in with people at the beginning of class, how, uh, how are you doing? And the amount of women who, who just cry in that moment, they just well up and they cry because there's such a backlog of emotion that's being, you know, suppressed and held down just to keep the front up. Um, because the front well, the preferred social norm is an emotional numbness, you know, that terrain of fine. Um, and you, you, you can only get away with that for so long. Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting because um, in college, I'm studying at the moment again, <laughs> but the other evening we were talking about roles that mm. we take on and it sort of brings to mind that, like, you know, there's different roles one person could be described as the placator or mm. one person could be described as um, the deflector. Yeah. And it's interesting because if, as a woman on one level, we see a certain role is expected, mm. then you kind of take that on maybe on a societal level mm. or you know in your work or with your communities mm. and then you're just playing that part well this yeah. is who I'm supposed to supposed play to be. Yeah. yeah and it's so deeply subconscious most of it yeah you know that's the nature of getting into your body through yoga you begin to realize your patterns you begin to realize the behaviors that you've taken on that are actually uh very draining uh they're not supporting your body your mind your spirit there it's a role um but the one thing i like to point out to women is we do have a natural capacity to be very patient and inclusive and um uh, loving and kind and uh it's it's like it's it's also built into the cycle you know Mm. that ovulatory energy is very uh, fertile and in that fertile time it's very 
Well, like, I suppose I often say, you know, the world likes ovulation, woman, because you're at your most um, estrogen, the carer. You know, you are very patient and you are very understanding and nothing's a problem and you are more likely to be nice and you are in that fertile feeling in your body. So there's a sexiness there and there's kind of feeling good and feeling kind of like I can take on the world and nothing's a problem. <laughs> sure, I'll do that. No problem. Send your kids over to me. And yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm coming on Saturday night. I am there with bells on all that stuff is much, much, much more lubricated. You know, mm. it's kind of, it flows more. And that's really, really real part of who we are. But we are not the same woman 28 days of the month. So mm. we need to get in touch with the woman who says, no, you know, no, I can't do that. Mm. Uh, no, I won't be there. I need to rest. I need to... You know what would be better for me right then would be for all of you to go out and leave me on my own and I'll just light the fire and read a book. Yeah. And that muscle in us isn't terribly developed. But what begins to happen if we override that part of ourselves? And I speak from a lot of experience of overriding myself, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? And completely yeah. not listening. <laughs> um, is that as you head towards your menopausal time, that you can run into some difficulty because mm. the the menopause is asking you to really let go, to really, really, really let go. The estrogen that wants to mind everyone and look after everybody and care for everybody as you should, as you kind of should in those kind of mother years, that's depleting and running out, and your um, your biology, your spiritual code is. Okay, now I'm going to drop all of your needs to a degree, not completely, obviously. And I'm going to turn all of that energy and all of that power and all of that resource to myself. But if we don't know how to do that, we can become older, uh, unwell, um, bitter, resentful, older women. That mm. isn't a guarantee. I'm not saying any of this is like one size fits all philosophy at all, but there's an opportunity to move into your wisdom years or your later years with a sense of absolute um, self-centeredness and power. And that's kind of, you know, we, we don't value older women in culture. It's like youth is what's... Uh, considered to be the, of the greatest value mm. and the the older is calling you know mm. yourself and say this idea of nurturing your your cycles mm. and cultivating a wisdom around who you can be at, at one point maybe in in the month or the year and then yeah. nurturing you know another aspect how does that show up for you in your you know, as your self-employed teacher, yeah. you know, if you're feeling creative at one point mm. and oh, I have all these ideas mm. and then maybe there's other times where you feel, OK, that's enough now, <laughs> like draw yeah. back. Yeah. How does that like sit with you or 
Well, I suppose, like all of the, the whole thing really, isn't it, is with yoga, it's just paying attention. Mm. Do you know, it really is just giving things your attention. So I'm giving things my attention that I spent an awful lot of time not giving my the, uh, attention to. The interesting thing about, I suppose, the other cycles like pregnancy and, 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 and post-birth and lactation and things like that, you have to give those your attention. You're pulled into your body. So this can really create, as it did for me, an opportunity to become more embodied than you've ever become before. But it's subtle, it's subtle shifts, you know? It doesn't mean that you have to have a personality shift. It doesn't mean there has to be a line in the calendar going, right, that's it. <laughs> it's Thursday the 24th. Yeah. I am no longer creative and fertile. I am now in my shedding mode what i tend to feel is that i see a very clear pattern in myself very clear pa sense pattern in my behavior very clear pattern in what irritates me and gets under my skin they're my kind of like inner alarm bells um sometimes i i i ignore them in order to keep pushing through and complete the task um and more times than not these days I listen um, and that doesn't mean that I don't turn up to teach it just means I'm teaching from a different place mm. I recognize that um, it might be slower and steadier and more grounded maybe a bit more deep mm. sometimes dark you know, sometimes we go to the underbelly and we mm. go into the shadow and we go into the subconscious and we do practices around that. Um, so I suppose I'm just stepping into, by doing that, how I really am, mm. where I'm really at as opposed to being chirpy and lovely all the time as a teacher, which I like to think that I'm, you know, pretty pleasant. And I will always be a certain person in interactions, you know, before and after and all that kind of thing. But what actually happens in the work very much shifts, mm. do you know? Yeah. So um, I would feel, you know... And every woman's different, you know, some women like I, I do actually get really quite productive just before my period. And it takes me by surprise every single time. Yeah. Like, flashing through everything. Yeah. Getting this stuff done. It's almost like my last little hurrah. So I go, oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, that's why I was so pr productive over the past few days. Mm. You know, now I have an opportunity to just not do not completely, but turn in as best I, I can while still being in the world, mm. you know? Yeah, and I think it's a fine it's like, line. It it's is, a fine yeah. line. It's very, 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 very um, obvious to you, but subtle to the world, mm. you know? They're not massive shifts. I think the yeah, what I was going to say is that kind of the, the feeling sometimes that I feel is 
there's an inclination or an intuition towards what would be natural you know like you say you have the day where you're super productive or mm. the day where you feel oh I'm kind of writing down loads of ideas creative mm. and then when there is the feeling you know that's enough now <laughs> like yeah. take it a little maybe at a lower pace yeah. I suppose what sometimes can happen for me is a, a worry of oh like I'm not getting what I was supposed to get done that day or yeah. something like that yeah. and that's where I have to watch yeah. you know that like kind of almost like secondary feeling to mm. what you're naturally feeling yeah yeah total I mean override mind says you should yeah body yeah. says maybe not yeah. I'll go with my mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah I mean it's just it's like it's not it's like that Buddhist phrase is it's a the practice is starting over mm. it's not listening and then listening <laughs> and then not listening and then listening you know mm. it's just but it's it's as you know i i think nature is there to really bells and whistles show us a pattern if we're not getting the pattern in our bodies if we're not seeing how life works so there's a very very clear particularly in Ireland because we have such defined seasons but the in the 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 rising out of uh, a, the quietude of winter into a more uh, abundant springtime energy and a full bloom of summer and then a shed and moving inward again of autumn that pattern is in everything in life um, it's the seasons of the year, but it's also the seasons of our life, you know, our springy little young years and our big blooming, you know, early time and then our turning in and shedding ultimately to death. Mm. And that's what all of these cycles in our bodies are showing us, the little micro deaths that happen every month. And I don't know... Uh, if I've heard a statement more regularly when a woman is about to give birth, like about to give birth, I thought I was going to die. Hmm. It's that line, it's that fine line between life and death that is constantly in our patterning. And I think the more we go into those places of shedding, whether that's shedding blood or if that's shedding tears or if that's shedding a baby out of you or you know it those big moments the more we um create intimacy with the big letting go we'll be asked to do that we've no choice in that's the guarantee of all of us we're all gonna die and we can live our lives afraid of death or we can keep it close and i believe keeping it close helps us live more fully mm -hmm. um and i think we we, we have that as women we can we know life. We know the life force. We know nature. It's in our DNA. Mm. There isn't a huge separation there. And it's so interesting because how we started this conversation talking about, you know, maybe how the women's voice or wisdom got a little bit repressed or diminished death would be the next big thing that people don't like talking about sure. or ignoring. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's quite so fascinating. Ignore your feelings and yeah. ignore your instincts and ignore your intuition and ignore the voice of your heart 
and ignore the gut and ignore nature clearly because <laughs> yeah. you know who needs nature and pretend you're never going to die and just inject yourself more and slather more creams on yourself and beat yourself into a frenzy in a gym every night after sitting in a chair for eight hours in front of a computer or maybe ten and there's just deeply artificial narrative mm. and I don't think it's that complicated for us to on to step back from that we all know it mm. then like that's all you have to point out to people and they'll drop their attachment to that world really pretty quickly to, as best we can because we're all obviously deeply in it and invested in it and you know here's a podcast and here's technology mm. and here's my work and here's your work and this is you know what we're doing but I think I think it's like that my feeling about it would be that in that is, you know, death's a sort of an unknown mm-hmm. um, and uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. And the emotions or intuition, like that's kind of an unknown or an uncontrollable. It's not as fixed as logical thought would mm-hmm. be. And in those realms is there's just so much fear around it mm. because it's I can't hold on to that and I can't make it be the exact same tomorrow mm. and that's where I think the resistance builds up for women and men that mm. you know don't want to go there I want to just keep things linear yeah. and logical yeah. and you know the way you're describing that it it doesn't take long when you allow someone to maybe feel a sense of it I always say when I'm teaching in some way, it's like we're connecting to something new, but at the same time, it's very familiar. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think most people get a feeling of, like, maybe after one session or two sessions or a day experience or whatever, oh, yeah, that feels right mm. or that feels very natural. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's it's fascinating. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we all, know, we all know truth when we feel it or we hear it or yeah. we around it. There's just, it's truth. Mm. There's no but at the end of it. Um, And however this whole shift in the power dynamic on the planet is going to play out, I do believe Western women have a a, a really big role. I, you know, I have my my, uh, difficulties with long-standing male lineages but I do agree with the Dalai Lama Uh, Mm. Western women will save the world Um, and we'll be okay don't know about everyone else (laughs) it's it's like I don't know about everyone else I mean I do know that we are very 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 small minority of women on the planet that's the thing though you know Mm. we have we're 20% and we we're the safest women in the world, but we're not safe at all. You just look at the numbers as to what women deal with as far as, you know, domestic violence, sexual violence. Those numbers are one in four. They're one in three in other parts of the world. They're one in two in other parts of the world. That fundamental feeling of being safe is central to how everything else is. Um, 
everything is built on that platform. You know, that's your root chakra. That's the base. That's the very beginning. Um, and all of the denial of emotion and instinct and intuition and all of those things that come to us naturally have really devastated something in us, but it's really devastated something in men. Sometimes even more so, I think. We have all of this transformation happening in our world right now, in our world here in the West. So everything in a way, you know, I was just saying to Kitty there recently, it's like, everything's a bonus. It's like, look at that, you know, we got the vote, woohoo! And we can work now, woohoo! And we can, you know, have reproductive rights over our body and autonomy over our body, woohoo! You know, it's like, it's all good, it's all building, it's all progress, it's all development. And I think that is going to, women are running with that. But we have to be really careful that we don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Mm. And turn ourselves into what men have had to become and men have had to become something that they're not happy in either mm. do you know what I mean so we together will find the balance and the opposite opposite you know to, to quote Jermaine Greer the opposite of matriarchy isn't patriarchy or the opposite of patriarchy isn't matriarchy it's fraternity mm. it's to come together and to balance it, as you know, the yoga tradition says, balance the masculine and the feminine. And you will find God mm. in yourself. I think it's so true. And I think most men that I know in my life, you know, they're what I see is also a questioning. Absolutely. It's not, no, you know, of course. we, we know all the answers. Should delight, should, are they delighted with the, you know, 60-hour yeah. work week and the disconnection from your emotions and suck it up and don't cry and be a man and all of that bullshit mm. of course they're not no i'm raising a son and a daughter that's my very very first job above anything else and all i want for them is to stay connected to the part of themselves they're deeply naturally connected to both of them in equal measure mm. he has as big a heart as she does he's as good an instinct and it's strong in intuition and all of those things that, you know, he's culturally going to get talked out of as kind of weak or, you know, less than. And she won't so much, but she'll be talked out of her ability to be strong and to be courageous and to be uh, her, her natural masculine. And it's that, you know, you, you see it everywhere and the pink and the blue. The football and the ballet and you're just like it's just so in our system that it's mm. it's a it's a it's a tricky one so i'm, I'm yeah and do you feel like i suppose as a mother and a teacher looking forwards do you hold a space where you feel no it's going the right direction or do you think it's still there's work to be done here <laughs> there's so much work to be done yeah and i mean i know we're all aware of the kind of the echo chamber you know that mm. we're in with all of our kind of online connections and our communities you know this stuff isn't radical for anyone in my immediate world at all and i suppose what i work towards is present it in as plain speaking, grounded, non-rocket science, 
language mm. to as many women and men as I possibly can to understand how we've stepped so deeply away from ourselves and the natural world. Um, I, I teach a lot of birth preparation workshops. I've been doing them for a really long time and they were just born out of women needing to inform their partners but didn't think they could tell them. Uh, so I tell them <laughs> <laughs> the subtleties and nuance of a woman's body and how she needs certain conditions in order to labour effectively. Super, super easy, mm. straightforward stuff. But uh, stuff that isn't presented to them. They mm. don't know it until I tell them. And then I tell them, they're like, oh my God, I totally got this. I've got this. I can be a birth partner. Um, so I suppose it's that thing of one by one and, you know, person by person and woman by woman. But I do think by affecting a woman positively, everyone she carries is affected positively mm. that 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 natural uh, ripple out from her is I think natural order that's how it is you know everyone she touches you know if a woman has a really positive birth experience it transforms that family like transforms the child because they've had a positive birth experience transforms them gelling as a unit because she has been uh, connected to a power in herself that creates confidence mm. and by feeling confident in herself she becomes a fiercely confident protective mother brilliant everybody wins and that ripples out um you know, all of the big change I see happening around me, like really big change, comes from lots of, you know, broken hearted mothers sneaking, you know, cannabis oil into the country because her epileptic child needs it. And mm. next thing you know, there's legislation from the woman, you know, a girlfriend who has a deeply, deeply autistic child. And she, she uh, fights every single day for that child and has created system changes. I see these women on the front line out of broken heartedness, transforming political structures. But it's that energy. Marianne Williamson said it very recently. I went to see her speak. She said, that's the energy that's going to change the world. That fierce, protective mother bear energy that just says, no, you know, that's not okay. And if we rose up from that place collectively on behalf of our environment, who knows what could happen? Because mm -hmm. I think that's nature herself speaking. Yeah, definitely. You know, through yeah. the feminine. And we're sparked into that power every month. It's like the little immersion goes off in you. You're just like, mm. <laughs> And then massively through childbirth and motherhood. And then again in the perimenopausal time and I, our culture has created or our medical system has created abilities to numb all of those processes out. But you just take the contraceptive pill so you don't have to have your period and you mm. just take the epidural so you won't have to feel the power of birth and you just get onto the HRT. So you continue to be, you can maintain a pleasant, nice, beautiful, responsive, 
woman who'll just be the same person as she was reared to be for her whole life. Mm. And she'll miss out on the signals to create a true reflection of who she is. Mm. Um, and we're not, we're not so good with the true reflection of what women are because very recent time here in Ireland particularly is we we don't handle angry women very well mm. you know well I've been an angry woman so I know all about that <laughs> have you been an angry woman <laughs> but it's interesting because you'd said that you know there's that perspective of you know with your daughter and your son that mm. with your daughter that kind of strong aspect to her courageous might get talked out or yeah you know and I've felt that so many times or where you are strong it's misinterpreted as you've no feelings yes that's even worse and yeah. it's so um I think it's so deeply harmful when you're accused of that mm. because to be strong or assertive doesn't necessarily mean oh I feel nothing I'm robotic yeah. so yeah, yeah it's yeah yeah, it's 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 not it's I suppose it's not the usual and yeah, we have to think of, of where our mothers and our grandmothers were on all of this line. It's you know and everybody, certainly in Irish culture, power was something that other people had over you. Mm. You know, the most powerful people in any community were, you know, the priest, the doctor, and the guard. So there you have, you know, your spiritual autonomy is, belongs to somebody else. Your health, your well-being, your actual ability to heal yourself and look after yourself. Well, somebody else will manage that for you and you'll take what you're given. And then, you know, the guard and whoever else came along. To, they're protecting. They're protecting. Yeah. You. yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's like... it. it it is, it's, it's fascinating. It's no surprise that we're mm. here, you know what I mean? Mm. But it's it's only a very, very short space of time that mm. we have to kind of backpedal, particularly in Ireland, because we're such a flippant, natural, rebellious kind of people. We're, mm. you know, we're very obedient on one hand. Do you know, we all stopped smoking when we had to stop smoking in the smoking van. We all stopped using our plastic bags. Do you know what I mean? We're all just kind mm. of like, oh, yes, that's what's happening now. So we'll all do that. <laughs> yeah. But then there's also that feisty, fearsome rebel. And I think that stuff's, you know, that, that kind of Queen Maeve, mm. spirited, feck off kind yeah. of part <laughs> as well, you know. That's yeah. as important. And it doesn't mean that you're not emotional at the same time mm. yeah. and I suppose it wraps back to what we were saying about when the women's voices maybe in yoga were a little bit underwritten yeah. it's kind of like that in our modern history as well that e even though we came through cycles of oh the you know the doctor knows best or the mm. priest knows best you know even with religion we gave up any sense of inner work Yes. You know, and I think yes. what I've learned through reading, say, with um, like Carol Jung or any yeah. of that kind of aspect of that shadow work or yeah. kind of inner exploring, like he speaks of that, that people kind of gave away the power to, oh, I explore my inner world because yeah. it was meant to be the priest knew or God knew or, yeah. you know, there was some sort of judgment happening there of whether you were good or bad. Yeah. Um, and I think that, 
that's not a massive chunk of time. Yeah. You know, even though it's underwritten, yes, like it's not. You're yeah, right. exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, from our pagan times to when it was all you are nature, we are nature, it's all within us, it's all around us. Do you know mm. what I mean? That that's not too long a stretch. Yeah. From, exactly. You know, God is a man in the sky and he's really annoyed with you. And as for you, woman person, well, you started the whole problem. You <laughs> are like, you know, yeah. Eve serpent you're the sinner mm. you led men astray and all of us as soon as we're born are born of original sin and i mean that's a very tricky place to come back from mm. you're just like oh shit really mm. oh crap you know <laughs> um we have a brutal history uh, for women's well-being and health and place um even my my mother was churched after giving birth, which meant she had to go and lie on the floor, face down, prostate on the floor, cold floor of the local church after giving birth because she had been a vessel of original sin. I mean, it's like you just don't even want to think about this stuff. Yet we have been uh, deeply affected by it at the level of the subconscious. Mm. We have taken that on. Mm. And if the womb carries the womb and the womb sheds, but the womb has is carrying a deep wound that most women know, and it's not something you have to ever get in a yoga mat to explore, but we do know the depths of uh, pain and fear uh, that is part of our collective story. Mm. You know, it's a unique journey in life, but it's also a deeply collective one. Mm. We're all so interlinked with each other. But particularly when you get women into that whole pelvic bubble, that whole pelvic cavity, you ask them to just really be there, it can bring up such grief. Um, and pain and anger and mm. all of that fun stuff but it can all it's also the seat of the greatest pleasure so it's like okay well if we're gonna dig down and really reclaim this energy that created us all this sweet 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 joyous abundant lovely sexual energy uh we often have to go through the other stuff Mm. you know yeah and that's a whole other podcast women's sexuality yeah (laughs) (laughs) so fascinating yeah 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 yeah. well it's all part of our sexual journey as women you know i mean ultimately all of these rites of passage are parts of our sexual journey so we can really stand in our power and our power is our sexual power it doesn't mean sex it doesn't mean you know you know, turning into some sort of leather-clad dominatrix by the time you're post-menopause. It just means owning and being in that uh, creative uh, life force. And the creative life force is the same as same sexual energy as well, you know. It's it's all one and the same thing. Mm. Yeah, and it's such a shame, I think, when... I know when I was in those formative years, mm. you know, coming through puberty and when you would be, 
learning mm. all of this aspect of yourself. You know, it's sort of, um, I felt between me and my friends when I look back now, we only kind of were concerned with, you know, what the boys thought. Yeah. Like we didn't really think about, well, what do I feel yeah. or what am I drawn to? It was more, you know, we did maybe on on a little level, but I, I think there was a huge amount of kind of you're going around trying to impress and yeah. <laughs> like play up to and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And I'm sure they were doing the same thing as well. But it's it's sort of not learning. All right. OK, I have a whole area to explore of yeah. wants and desires. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, it, it's no surprise that we took on that role mm. uh, because we were always, from literally the story of Adam and Eve, we were responsible for men's sexuality. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We were the temptresses. So we either... Uh, well, it, 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 depend, it depends, but you either you know, uh, use that. Well, in Ireland, you didn't, you didn't use it or else you got into serious trouble. Yeah, you yeah. Know? You would just be labelled and you'd be turned into something that you were not. Mm. So if you really kind of allowed yourself to feel and be excited and delighted with all of this hormonal stuff going on in your body as a young person, you were shamed. Mm. And then if you didn't, you were somehow frigid or weird yeah weird, or what's yeah. wrong with you yeah you know and that was it it was like either yeah you were the one that was like oh you know we'd be telling stories have you have you yeah. and then <laughs> it would be and then you know you were the other side of that is you know, you get name called or yeah. you'd get a reputation. Yeah. Like that was always the big fear. Don't get a reputation. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's for crazy. Sure. Sure. Instead of like, oh, we're all enjoying ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And nobody, nobody came out of that well. Women really didn't come out of that well. Yeah. Women, you know, because there were places to be locked up if you, uh, at certain times in our history, if you uh, went too far down one avenue. You know, women were, I mean, whatever about having babies out of wedlock and all of that kind of thing, where you were definitely going to be locked up. But if a woman was in any way kind of confidently sexual, mm. uh, she was also locked up, you know, or you could be by, yeah. uh, by your dad. Yeah, it's yeah. mad. <laughs> so going forwards into the year, have you any um, big, exciting plans? Or? Big, exciting plans this year. I do, actually. Um so I'm continuing with the women's yoga teacher training that I'm doing, which is so fulfilling. Mm. I'm loving it. It's like all of this stuff all wrapped up into uh, an offering to people who are already teachers mm. to kind of take it to the next place. Um, and then I am going into the studio over Easter to record all of the... Uh, prenatal work that I've done over the past uh, 15 years or so um, and I'm putting those all out in line because there comes a point where you're like okay I can only turn up and teach for so long mm. so I and I only do one public class for prenatal a week I've literally just refined it down to that um, so this is to have that out in the world so women can just do the six week course that I teach in the comfort of their own home or however else they want to do it. 
So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah, great. Just to bring it online and just to create a product out of that and let mm. just people do it. Because uh, I obviously can't can't be there mm. uh, for all the women who need it. Yeah, you know? definitely. So I'm just going to do what I do. And then with the other work, you know, there's always stuff going on with retreats and holidays and all that kind of thing, um, which is kind of the lovely stuff of it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's the year's pretty much mapped out for yeah. me. Yeah, do you know, <laughs> know how it goes? Yeah, right? exactly. You're constantly like... What's pre- in my diary? Creating... <laughs> events or creating workshops or creating retreats or creating yeah. and you just kind of throw those out into the year and then you know you move through them so at mm. this time of the year it's always pretty busy just kind of getting all of those things out on the calendar and uh, yeah no listen I'm very 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 fortunate I uh, I'm very grateful for the uh, the loyalty of my students and the uh the uh I suppose reputation I've developed over the years that you know people keep on coming and I'm really mm. really really grateful I think that's because they're grateful <laughs> yeah <laughs> for well you. I think it's just a bit yeah. of a win-win for all of us right <laughs> you know we get to kind of just uh you know and it's a co it's a co-creation you know it's yeah. not like I'm doing it all at all they're turning up and we're all throwing our energy into the room and then you just trust in the intelligence of it all yeah to definitely. sift through and bring it all uh to some kind of sense of inner clarity or you know peace or all that mm. elusive stuff that's very hard to language <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it's been um, lovely, really nice um, chatting to you and um, thanks very much for your time. Oh yeah. Um, And if people wanted to look up any of that amazing stuff that you've got going on, where can they do that? They can get me on uh, my website, which is Lou Yoga, as in me, louyoga.com. Um, and I'm, I'm not really on social media. Um, I am, I'm trying to be a bit more. Um, I just don't know. Uh, I suppose I have to be on it more because I'm going to launch this product online, but, um, you're just probably better off going to my website. Okay. That's cool. really what I am. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Um, so have a wonderful day. Yes, and, you too. Uh, yeah. I'll, uh, finish our chat there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Hi again everyone, so that was the amazing Lou Horgan and it was great to to get an insight from from her and listen to all her wisdom um, from her years of experience teaching and practicing. So thank you Lou if you're listening and I guess um, as I mentioned, this being the last official episode of this series, if you are still listening right now, maybe if you are getting in touch with me, it would be cool if you could give me a little insight into what you would maybe perhaps like to listen or any specific themes for the second series. So I have um, a good few ideas, um, but it'd be cool, obviously, to hear your input as a listener. So so yeah, that's been the, the first series, six episodes so far. So um, 
yeah, it's exciting. It was exciting to get it going, get it started. And yeah, we'll see where it leads to from here. Um, for now, I will sign off and you'll hear from me very soon. I have not pinned down dates or anything yet, but um, yeah, it won't be too long before we're, we're back in uh, podcast land again. So have a wonderful day, evening, wherever you are. And in your week, find something fun to do, time to mind yourself. And, um, and yeah, find maybe a little time to, to get to your own heart of the matter. Um, be well and we will chat very soon. <laughs>